0: Are you ready to uplevel your performance, become a better sales coach and grow revenue?
1: Are you ready to be ready?
0: Then ready, set, sell.
1: I'm Hannah, a B2B sales enthusiast and sales consultant, advocating for sales to be a
0: little more human. And I'm Tony from MindTickle, where I'm a sales leader and coach.
1: And you're listening to Ready, Set, Sell, a podcast dedicated to helping revenue and sales professionals like you adopt a sales readiness approach to ensure your team is always ready to win.
0: In each episode, we share smart insights, tangible advice, and actionable tips that can be applied directly to the work you do every day to drive organizational growth.
1: Let's dive into the episode. So here on Ready, Set, Sell, we're all about getting to the heart of what really makes sales professionals successful.
0: That's right, and while there might not be a perfect formula to success in any field, I think we're starting to get a pretty clear picture of the key ingredients that make up the modern sales professional.
1: Yeah, Tony, it does depend on who you ask, but no one is born an amazing sales leader, at least not that we know of anyway. So it's essential that we all maintain a growth mindset, a flexible outlook and a willingness to learn new things.
0: So today on the show, we'll be exploring the latest and greatest strategies for training, development and onboarding in the sales world.
1: Tony, I feel like you might know something about this, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: I've got a little little bit of a clue.
1: (laughs) But remote work and new technologies are forcing organizations to adopt new strategies for keeping their teams educated and engaged.
0: And with that in mind, our guest today is someone who knows all about this. Amy Lord is the Global Sales Enablement Manager at Unisys, which means she designs and implements onboarding, continuous learning, and coaching programs for hundreds of sales professionals.
1: And she's here to remind us why a personalized approach to training and onboarding is so important today and how sales teams can adopt a similar strategy enjoy the episode amy sales enablement um this topic's really dear to my heart um as somebody who's really passionate about seeing sales reach their full potential i'm always trying to challenge my own thinking and also clients on how they think about enablement so you may have to virtually kick me if I get a bit carried away today. <laughs> um, that's not a problem. I, there you go. Uh, but before, I, before we get into the weeds, could you share a brief overview of like how you got to where you have got to today? That would be really useful.
2: Sure. Well, um, like most people, you think you're going to do one thing and you end up doing something completely different. And that's totally serendipitous of our world. But I started out wanting to be in commercial property management. And then 2008 happened during the recession, and and it really changed my mindset. And I started working in nonprofits, and so really helping with corporate strategy, engagement, um, and donors, and working with large and major donors of ten thousand to over a million dollar donors. And that kind of led me down this path of being really engaged in the field and having those intimate conversations and in sales. And now um, after kind of the COVID experience, I kind of was switching out and I just really loved the sales conversations and coaching and helping um, my fellow colleagues go from good to great. And so I got into sales enablement and I have loved it ever since.
1: Oh, I love that. Say so different. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny, I was thinking about when I looked at your background a little bit, I with seeing the synergy between philanthropy and sales, right? Because you're basically encouraging people to be philanthropic and to, you know, basically give give money away, right? And that's not an easy thing to do sometimes. So there are selling components definitely that are involved with that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it sounds like the transition you've made has been fantastic. Uh, so what can you say about, maybe what were some important lessons that you've learned?
2: Sure, um, I think, For where we've really kind of developed or changed is, and I I say this quite often to our team, is, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. We are in a different world now. And um, when you're out in the field and talking with individuals, especially from my past life in philanthropy, you are really used to adjusting and pivoting on the spot. And um, so really with our team here at Unisys, we're trying to really develop that skill set of how to be agile, how to readjust, how to change your pitch based on who you're talking to, um, what they're looking for as they say certain things, being able to identify some of that. So um, it's really kind of like switching over to being very segmented to what we try to communicate.
1: When you stepped into sales enablement, what's been some of your like, aha moments, either good or bad?
2: Good. Um, well, I would say some stuff that's probably like, surprised me is more of this one and done mentality in sales. Um, I think um, in my past of working with donors and, and individuals, um, you're constantly hitting them up again. And it was like a best practice that, you know, between each ask, you have at least seven contacts with them before, whether that's an email or a phone call or a handwritten note or something. But um, what I've noticed in a lot of, like, my sales community and colleagues is, oh, we closed that deal, great, we don't talk to them again until contracts <laughs> are up again. And, and so really we're trying to help encourage that – We want to be looked at as part of their family. We want our clients to see us as a partner with them, solving their business challenges. And that can only be done as you break down those walls and build those relationships and bring in the right people and have the right conversations. Um, I know that um, some of our, whether they're junior or senior sales, have really struggled with leveraging our our senior leadership and, and really seeing how you can help build that network. I know um, when I was in the nonprofit side of it, I mean, we were stalking people. We wanted to know, you know, what their interests are. We would find their tax receipts. We'd find everything. We'd learned so much about that person that we already knew that they are engaged. They're going to get married on this date and that. So when we go into those meetings, it was really important to have done our research. And that is another thing that we really kind of encourage in our training. Our team on is that it's not only about doing your research on the client or the prospect you're speaking to, but also knowing about your competitors and where because they're also approaching these people. Let's be real. So what are they saying that sounds different than us or knowing what our differentiators are so you can address that right off the bat and be able to really help with that objection handling for when they say no, you know exactly what to say right after because you've already prepared a lot of that conversation.
1: It's, <laughs> it's so interesting that kind of difference between that I'd say in this context, like the consumer sell to the, mm-hmm. the, the, the kind of B2B sell, but um, ready set sell does not condone stalking. I just thought I'd put that out there. Just as, as yes.
2: So <laughs> no, I do not. I do not condone stalking. I do condone th- very thorough research, though. <laughs> what's on their public website? What's on LinkedIn? You know, being able to um, kind of know that there are these tools and data and research that's out there that will help you close those deals. Or let you know to not go down that path. If it's very clear in their mission and, sure. um, and goals and you're like, there is really no real alignment here other than we have a product that we want to push on them. And that might not make the best sense. So why spin your wheels? Why why not um, really segment and go after those who are going to be those easy easy closes, if you will, and I think in this virtual environment, it's become even more important because it is harder and harder to get your foot in the door. Most doors are closed because they're not even live in, in their offices, and so being able to make those connections or adjust your communications, whether it's your first you know, cold call or email introduction or whatever that is, to make sure that it's customized and personal, it helps you build that relationship and make you stand out above your um, competitors.
0: Even if you've developed the best sales strategies in history, it won't mean much if you're not able to roll with the punches and switch gears when you're presented with new information.
1: Yeah, it's true. As Amy mentioned, the team at Unisys is really focused on instilling their people with agility, flexibility, and the skills needed to pivot quickly when necessary.
0: Yeah, and and Amy also reminds us that no one is an expert on everything, despite what their LinkedIn bio might say. So I think it's important to remember that it's okay to reach out and ask for help. I think this really drives home the value of a collaborative attitude in sales because working in silos is never an effective strategy.
1: I mean, I have to agree. And I'm just secretly checking my LinkedIn bio. I'm like, what have I said? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But we don't know what we don't know. So having the courage to speak up and ask questions will take you far in any field, but especially in
0: sales. I think my LinkedIn bio actually is only questions. So that's why I keep it real. (laughs) so, Hannah, how frequently do you think sales professionals should receive training?
1: Well, Tony, I I, I get paid to train people, so every hour of every day. <laughs> no, I don't. While you're
0: sleeping, while you're dreaming, we you should be training. I get it. I get it.
1: So I, let me just tell you how I how I experienced training first when I first got into sales. So. In both of the, I had two incredible organisations that I had the um, fortune of working for, who took training. Training was embedded in everything we did. It was, it was just part of the culture there, a culture of learning and a culture of growth. So we had quarterly. We had three days of on-site training. So we had trainers that would come into the building, and we'd be in a different room for three days from morning, like from whatever it was, 8 a.m. till 6 p.m., just training. So it was a a combination of theory, the same theory as well, the same training um, methodologies, the same frameworks, the same behavioral psychology that we followed as well. Uh, it would be a combination of role plays, uh, theory, exercises. like we're on our feet for most of the day. We're creating posters, we're doing diagrams, we're writing on whiteboards, and we're presenting back, we're challenging each other. We'll walk th- then we'd spend a tiny bit of time walking through deals. And that was every single quarter for the whole time I was there. So I, I don't know how long that went on for a few about three years. Uh, in an, in another organization, we had the same thing, but we also had somebody who was in-house that would do weekly training with us. And we do that on like a Friday morning as but it wouldn't be part of just the sales, like the the, the regular sales training uh, meeting. What I do when working with with different organizations, depending on like what the setup is, is I'd always encourage either a weekly or a fortnightly completely focused training session. So it's like we are focused on this particular uh skill set or this particular part of your sales process or sales engagement and we're going to go deep on this and i always say my my job here is to is to kind of coach you towards answers that you you, you probably know already and to kind of just unlock your brain and challenge how you're thinking about things and what what i always encourage then the in-house sales leaders to do is to reinforce these principles in the actual day-to-day
0: Now, I know you're in the business, uh, so uh, don't laugh when I say this, but I think that, you know, I think people should be training every day, just about, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of training, but what if you spent 10 or 15 minutes a day training on something, right? If if you can't find 10 or 15 minutes in your day to invest in yourself and to really try and learn and grow, then, you know, you're going to get passed by.
1: All right. Let's get back to the interview and hear more of what Amy had to say about upgrading your training and onboarding processes to align with today's sales world.
0: Why do you think it's so important to take uh, really an individualized approach to training? You know, especially in today's landscape.
2: That's a great question. And honestly, I think we've all experienced this as a bit of information overload and um, a lot of things that we would have been accomplished in an in-person meeting doesn't necessarily make sense anymore especially in our global economy and you know and to bring our people in from all over the world versus hosting these virtual events but what it's caused us is that you know everyone thinks theres is an isn't they're an expert because google exists you can just google it um but in that sense like the customized personalized information and training is based for us at Unisys on role because they don't need to know how to do everything in our CMR tool. They, they don't need to know what to do in everything in Salesforce. It, the training would be intense, multi-hours. What we are drilling down is more of those bite-sized pieces where this is what you and your role specifically needs to do. Here are your instructions and how it connects to the overall sales. You know, cycle in strategy, but being able to really drill it down to that person, that helps with that information overload, but also trying to keep things simple.
0: Yeah, you said two terms that actually really stood out for me. And one was bite-sized content, because I think nowadays, that's just huge, right? I see hear so many companies saying, I need to have bite-sized content or micro-learning because people just can't take one, two, three-hour trainings at a time. But also you mentioned EQ, and that's something that so many companies are now really focusing on when they're dealing with their reps right it's no longer about process and things like that it's really understanding more of the emotional element that goes into sales and how can you interpret that in a virtual world which has become so different over the last couple of years so uh those are great points
2: No, i think that's uh it's one of those things that we've also really focused on too is is kind of those tips and tricks to it on a virtual level like we know that you know how to help our our sellers identify personality types. So when you're having a conversation and you see the office background, whether it's in Zoom or you're in person and in their office, how to kind of see those key things that are in the room, whether it's their dress, their attire, or how they have their desk set up, being able to help identify those little key indicators so they know, oh, I'm talking to this type of a personality, this is how I can adjust my pitch. So those behavioral EQ things, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's something as we move forward in sales that um, it's really gonna show the difference between the, great, the good sellers to the great sellers.
0: Oh, I
1: love that. Just that that EQ piece is is massive. And it's, I think it's a term that's become, it's almost just, it it started to get overused over the last five years. And and I think it's kind of, Mm -hmm. I've I've seen it tail off recently, but it really is those those subtle things, right? Uh, When it comes to just picking up on cues. And I think a lot of salespeople still struggle to read the room uh, very, very often. Um, But just thinking about uh, something that you were talking about when it's like, Creating bite-sized content, ah, uh, con- content for training, but more specifically, letting them understand their role and how that fits into the wider cog. I think that is there's always a disconnect there. But I'm thinking about um what some of your non-negotiables are when it comes to helping sales uh, reps become field ready, and even like what does it mean? What does field ready mean at Unisys? When when is when's go?
2: <laughs> yeah um we've really adjusted that and honestly um here at unisys um, a lot of our offerings and bundles are quite complex like unless you've been in the technology world for a long time you're not going to grasp it all so for us um our you know Field ready is that the seller is comfortable with their high level sales pitch on our products and offerings. They understand the benefits, the differentiators from our competitors and how to handle objection handling. And honestly, if they've got that solid baseline foundation, we consider them field ready because to your other point of my non-negotiables is you ask for help. <laughs> if you don't know the answer and you've done your research or or you don't feel comfortable with what you're about ready to communicate, you might just be the door opener in that conversation and you're bringing in one of our technical architects to have the real conversation with somebody.
0: So Amy, you mentioned uh, sort of the complexity of what you're doing with your products and what your reps have to really go through. So when you think about that complexity plus the 500 plus mm-hmm. People that are under your, you know, under your your grouping there, how? What are some of the elements of your programs for either onboarding or just you know everboarding training, so to speak, that can really be tailored to a specific personality or learning style? Awesome.
2: Um, the reality is we know that everyone learns different. Um, some people need that detailed, you know. Word document or to read through the step-by-step and have all the screenshots. Where others want a quick, simple, easy video and then others need that face-to-face. So we try to provide um, our training in multiple avenues and and then make sure that again they are bite-sized. Um we used to have, you know, boot camps that were several hours long. And our team just doesn't have the time to spend like that where they've we've noticed if we give them out in bite-sized chunks that so here's this skill set or this topic, um, and, and then making it role specific. We notice that our completion rates are much higher, the retention of what they've learned is much higher, and so ultimately they're able to put what they've learned and what we've helped them in whether it's tools or skill set or behavior into the field immediately versus a lot of the our previous onboarding there was such a heavy uplift on training and they did so many hours of video and learning that by the time they're done they're just they, they have no thoughts on it. They don't remember what they learned, that they just got through it all. And, um, and so really, we yeah, I know. And so that's really something that we are trying to come against and, and make sure that for us, it's we want them to feel like we, hopefully you're hiring the right people. They've got, you know, the skill set. And then we're just helping them build off of that.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I So I have a team of 10 people that are under me right now, and I know that I have 10 different learning styles, oh, yeah. right? I can set an, a, an individual or, a, excuse me, an overall baseline, but I know for each one I have to coach them a little differently. I have to speak to them a little differently and how we work together. So it's so true. You, you really have to have a good uh, like radar for what sort of things are going to work in each different instance. That's great.
1: I mean, Tony, you just, you just um, gave me an idea with regards to, Uh, listeners who are thinking, okay, global sales enablement manager going to be dropping the source, got my notepad ready. So when we're thinking about this, this sort of customised approach and tailored learning styles, um, do you have any tips for organisations who are hoping to like get on that bandwagon and begin customising their approach?
2: I honestly, I feel like a lot of my colleagues, you know, they are really great at identifying their customer or their prospect, but they have yet to identify what the best sales rep looks like for their company. And it'll look different in each company. And um, so for us, it was really trying to pull out those key core competencies and, and then align our training based on that. So really, I think for me, like, that would be my number one. If you have yet to identify what you know your ideal sales rep looks like um, then it's really hard to tailor training towards them if if you don't have that baseline and then also being able to i mean i'm a big believer in you know what gets measured gets managed and and so if we can measure our sellers and know like this is where they are we applied these training modules to their learning path and now this is where they have been since they learned and and seeing that transition not only shows our organization the value of sales enablement and our training but also is helping our sales team hit the marks, use it as leverage for their year end evaluations. And, you know, we tell them that all the time, we're like, you have proof of, of how much you've improved. And, and so that's another great thing, it, you know, helping them learn Mm. that we're here to help you (laughs) and, uh, Mm. and, and and in, in helping you, you're helping the overall organization
0: On, on the flip side of that, you know, tips are great. But sometimes you have to learn from, you know, mistakes or things like that. So what would you say some of the biggest mistakes are that you've seen other other organizations or leaders make in, in regards to, you know, training and onboarding? And and what would you suggest are things that you might do to help avoid those things?
2: Sure. Well, I think we've kind of hit on the big, one of the big ones, which is kind of this mentality of one size fits all training. And Unisys, we were in that boat a couple of years ago. It was, here is the training that everyone does, regardless of your role, regardless of your skill sets, regardless of your seniority. And now we've really, you know, pulled that back, have been customizing and segmenting and drilling it down. And one, we get completions at a whole nother level, but then also we've just learned that, like... Like learner retention is there when we do that and the other thing yeah. I would say is we're in an ever-changing world so not adapting to change is another huge thing just because it's the way it's always been or we've been I've been selling this way for 20 years I know more than you I I get all of that it change is uncomfortable for a lot of people but um, I think if COVID and quarantine and all that have taught us anything is that we have to be agile and adapt
1: how how is uniceis currently adapting or uh, adapting a more in-person enablement program elements with the the virtual uh, virtual led enablement programs and also um if if you're not really doing in-person stuff it'd be good to know why not
2: sure well i um I plan our events here, so I definitely don't think event live events are ever gonna fully go away. I think there's great value in it. I think that because of you know the COVID world, but also just more of a global team, more and more companies are becoming global. It it's very difficult to. Hit the right mark on everyone's time zone. We're a small team. We can't just do live sessions in every country and region and customize. So, um, you know, this world, this virtual world has helped in so many ways to leverage technology. Um, people are more comfortable learning virtually now. And there's the platforms and tools that are out there with, you know, whiteboarding to doing the recordings. They hit different than they did, I would say, a couple of years ago. And um, we're still, with a lot of our events um, for the most part they've all been virtual and this year with even with our sales kickoff we planned it to be a hybrid of virtual and in-person but ended up having to pull the in-person component about a month out just due to num- covid numbers in the area yeah. where we had our conference center and i think yeah. that goes back to you know we have to be agile and adjust to change and so as we plan our events and our trainings, um, we're trying to always look at it as this hybrid approach and and then making sure, that, you know, that we're prepared with our backup plans. If, if we're not going to be live, then what can we do? But also being very aware of the experience that a virtual audience member has. And I think that is something that is missed in a lot of these live events that now have some kind of virtual component is, you know, they're not learning if they're just watching a room do group exercise. How can you break out that virtual audience and make sure that they're also getting engaged and having the same or similar experience to someone who is there live
0: hmm. now it's uh we were experiencing the same thing where we kind of had you know this the virtual element to it where let's do some questions beforehand because we we don't want to have you know three four days of people all together in a place right it's you can be a lot more effective if you do some things virtual do it in a very uh, comprehensive way that people can be somewhat interactive and then really focus on the things in that when you do get together in person right let's let's make it really effective when we're there because in a QBR or an SKO or something like that you there's a lot of a lot of times some of those uh, some of the different focus elements aren't really as focused as you want them to be so it's a great way to really allow you to focus in the way that you want to um, pivoting slightly um, When we talk, you you kind of talked about a little bit about some of the different skills. What would you say are some of the soft skills that are really important for sales professionals in today's market to really develop and and uh, and focus on?
2: Sure, Um, I think some of the areas, at least that we've been focusing on here at Unisys, is is one is storytelling. I think um, you know a lot of our sellers. They might know the products or the solution, but they're not as comfortable or learning how to create a story and explain these very complex technical offerings in a way that anyone could learn. And so for us, it's all it's it's you know training our sellers on how to tell a story. And and that way they can take these very complex items and break them down to you know something that anyone can learn with no knowledge background, and I know we mentioned a bit on the EQ, but you know for us you know personalities matter, so we do do trainings on you know how to identify different personality types, how to change your pitch based on the you know um, generational. Uh, you, boomers versus millennials versus you know the new gen z like how to adjust based on personality but age and skill sets and then i would say the last thing would be is our change management and um, we've learned that you know yeah. that that this that our competitors take about 40% of the deals, but honestly, it's the status quo of no change is taking up 60% of the deals. Like they're not, it's not necessarily that they're going to somebody else. It's just they're more comfortable with sitting exactly where they are until an issue pops up and then they're like, nope, I need to buy this new offering. And so for us, it's also training our, our, our team members on how to have that kind of change management skill and how to have those conversations to express like why you need to change in advance. or like why it's urgent for you to get this product now and um, how it will address your business issues, whether it's something that's now or in the future and getting that client or prospect comfortable with change. And making sure that you help eliminate all those all those no's, so it, it's so easy for them to say yes.
0: No, I love it. That's uh, you said one of the magic words, which is storytelling. Hannah knows that that's one of my favorite topics. I love when people talk about storytelling. I'm a, I'm a movie guy myself, so I always go off on tangents when we start talking about that. But that's uh, I couldn't agree more. I think those are are super important especially where we are in today's environment
1: yeah you mentioned some magic words outside of um uh, storytelling or cocktails you didn't mention that that's tony's other favorite word.
0: <laughs> um, but um that's just a given Hannah. Yeah. i think that we that's just in the back of our minds at all times. But,
1: but yeah change management is just something that's never taught to sales it's it's i can't i i just see it so rare rarely done so it's really encouraging to hear you talk about that but um as as we one thing you mentioned earlier amy was about Um, with the more seasoned sales team members, even when they go through training, they, they identify areas where they're like, Oh, actually this is, this is new to me. I haven't thought about it this way. Um, I can still develop my skills. Um, like what, what more can sales professionals do to grow and develop in their careers, uh, even when they are actually more established in the field, like what can they proactively do?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. I know for for us, I, there's been a lot of even with our senior sales, we've really you know u- utilized them more. Whether it's help having them help us with onboarding and training. Um, their, their peers or whether it's sharing their best practices and kind of collecting here is, you know, the tips and tricks from all of our top sellers. So really engaging them as far as like a career development, but then I think also, um, you know, we can all always learn and improve. And so being able to, I think it goes back to kind of doing the evaluation on our sellers to see, you know, where there might be some gaps in knowledge and then helping them build on those gaps.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about when it comes to developing those seasoned reps, that must take quite a lot of collaboration with the, the line management and their kind of uh, immediate sales management. And then I know that often throws its, its, its own challenges up in the air. Um, Don't take my reps out the field. Tony's like, I've got 10 people. Don't you dare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Amy, do you have any other you know, secret sauces or trade secrets that you try and incorporate for... Uh you know, for leveling up and getting people uh, more productive in their roles?
2: Um, I think one of the things that has been for our team, at least that has been kind of a secret sauce is really helping them with anticipating objections that they might experience and learning their competitors. I think we all know to do the research on the client or the prospect and they know them like the back of their hands, but they don't always know all of our competitors. And if they put themselves in the shoes of the client or the prospect that they're pitching to, a lot of them don't understand um, what's being pitched. So they all sound the same, whether it's us or any of our top 10 competitors. If you don't have the knowledge background, you might think we all sound the same. So you just look at the price difference. And so for us, it's really helping our um, sellers to not only understand who you're talking to, but understand our competitors so well. So when you hear those objections, you know how to address them immediately.
1: No, I, this has been a really insightful conversation, particularly when it comes to creating customized training programs. I think, that's, I think that's something that a lot of companies probably aspire to do, but like, I don't even know where to start. How do we personalize, you know, 500 different training uh, programs? But j- just thinking about the, the onboarding program that you're working on now and some of the other initiatives, what, what's next for you when it comes to the team um, at Unisys?
2: Well, actually, what's next? Are right now what we're working on as and and you said it. You nailed it. It's it is a lot. It's a huge uplift, and for us, we went through transitioning our organization, so changing ourselves roles and who does what, and being really clear. And once we got those, like, very defined roles, then we built out training for it. And actually, our MindTickle platform is the ideal scenario for us because they've got automation roles. So maybe everyone gets the same learning module that's an overview, but then based on their roles that are set up in the system, then they get assigned additional training to either deep dive into something that's specific to their role or um, requirements for them to complete based on um, their, you know, role-based training some things are based by region other things are based by their particular role and having a platform and tool that can do that it takes so much off of our plates but you know i can't Imagine a couple of years ago, we used to do everything in Excel. And I, I'm like, how did we even manage that? Now, these systems <laughs> and platforms are there to, to utilize, for us to utilize to help eliminate so much of that admin data entry you know, time that's being consumed by um, you know, just the planning side of it versus even the launching and learning side.
1: I mean, oh, that's awesome. yeah, I mean, kudos to Excel. Excel is ground zero for every different <laughs> business need. Like literally every you have to, That's like the status quo. Have you, have you done Excel yet? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Let's let's talk.
0: <laughs> I don't think anyone's given kudos to Excel in a long time, Hannah. So I'm sure they're very happy about that. That's awesome. Uh, I'm old
1: school as well, Tony. I'm old school as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, Amy, this has been fantastic. This has been a great conversation. But we're we're not done with you yet. We're uh, we're going to head into our lightning round. So we're going to have a little bit of fun here. We're going to hit you with a few rapid fire questions. We're gonna throw them at you one by one by one, throw out the, the fastest answer you can, and we'll get some great final details from you. So I will let uh, I'll let Hannah kick it off.
1: All right, let's go. So what is your sales philosophy in just three words?
2: Personalize urgency and action. Personalize your pitch, create urgency and have a call to action.
1: Oh, Love slick. it. Slick. What's the best piece of advice you've been given in your career? Um
2: it's actually a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt it's never allow a person to tell you no who doesn't have the power to say yes and I have lived by that whether I need you know to talk to a manager at a store or not if 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 someone can't tell you yes then don't take their no
0: I didn't know that was her quote that's awesome um all right top productivity hack
2: Ooh, I think I would go back to right now. It's this whole YouTube, not not Hollywood, being agile and changing and quickly you know, developing videos. And now there's so many tools that are out there that you can just do something quickly on your phone and upload a video immediately or share something by email. So to me, it's this whole, getting that video content out there quickly. And I think all the apps that are out there now, they just make it so simple.
0: Awesome.
1: Okay, so you've promoted YouTube a few times. I see what you're doing, Amy. But, but, but where do you get your industry news?
2: I actually find some of my best industry news is actually from a lot of our partners, like MindTickle that has their monthly um, newsletter that goes out. There's so much great insight that's in there. Corporate Vision is another one of our partners who does a lot of research and, you know, the the why that people, consumer behavior. So a lot of it comes from our vendors and partners. And then obviously like generically, we're always looking at Gardner and IGS and Everest group and kind of seeing what's going on in industries out there. But um, I've been really impressed what comes out with our vendors. I think they hit the mark.
0: <laughs> awesome. Uh, top three apps you just cannot live without.
2: Well, the- I'm going to talk professionally or personally. Whatever,
0: Whatever comes to mind. <laughs>
2: anyway, well, right now I can't live without my Libby app, which is um, my library app, and I get everything from self-help books to industry books, all free on um, download. And oh, book cool! To audibles all the time um i obviously can't live without my linkedin app (laughs) and use that for work and and professional life and then um lately it's been the calm app i think uh you know what i've really tried to do is this work-life balance and making sure that i put priorities in place and sometimes i just need to step away from my computer and do a quick little mindset two-minute um you know podcast or something like that from my calm app
0: that's important absolutely are leaders made or born, Amy?
2: Ooh, good one. I kind of think that they're trained. I think anyone can be a leader, and, you know, the best leader. Um, they might have those natural abilities, but however, all of us can grow, all of us can learn, all of us can see those skill sets and apply them and become better.
0: Spoken like a true enablement person. I love it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, Believe in <laughs> yourself. <laughs>
0: Uh, What book has inspired you the most in your career?
2: Ooh, um... I think recently I read that the Buddha and the Badass, the secret spiritual art of succeeding at work. And that really has changed a lot of my mindset and putting a lot of things into practice and into place. And I know that, you know, especially in this world, you know, what keeps someone at your company? And we want the, our, our sales team to stay around. They've got this knowledge. We've trained them. They have they know our products and solutions. We want them to stay. So what makes them want to stay. And a lot of times that has to do with, you know, their work-life balance and, and how they connect with those at work. So the Buddha and the Badass, the secret spiritual art of succeeding at work is something that I've really been putting into practice.
0: I think I have to get it just for that title alone, but, uh, I, I mentioned I'm a movie person. So the last question here is, would you choose sell me this pen or always be closing?
2: Um, I'm gonna go with sell me this pen. I think, you know, the asking the questions, having that consultative, you know, experience in selling is, is something that I love.
0: Well, Amy, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure having you on. This is a great discussion. We hope to have yeah. you back someday, but uh, thank you again and ready, set, sell.
1: So Tony, as somebody who also works in sales enablement, this episode was full of aha moments for me. What stood out for you the most from our conversation with Amy?
0: Well, when you think about aha moments, I always think about the band Aha and the song Take On Me, which was possibly the coolest video ever created in, I think it was the eighties. But you know, I think overall, Amy has a really interesting perspective on training and development in sales. You know, we're definitely living in a different world now compared to just a few years ago. So I like how Amy is focused on bringing more of that emotional human element back into the training process. I'm
1: sorry, but I'm, I'm like 14 seconds from singing Take On Me. But I'm just, I'm just going to keep it going. I'm just going to keep it going. I'm not but
0: singing uh, the high part. I cannot sing the high part. It just can't be done.
1: It can't. It can't. But no, back to Amy. I think it's really important to highlight her comments around streamlining the training process overall, because no one has the time to sit in a training session for hours on end. So brevity and simplicity are key in this area
0: yeah not only do they not have the time they don't have the attention span at this point so you know i i also thought it was really interesting to think about your sales pitch from a behavioral iq standpoint for example if you're talking to a new prospect noticing things about their personality their personal life or or even just their zoom background which i love all the different ones that i see out there you know, it can really help you tailor your pitch to their specific needs and desires.
1: <laughs> there's, some, there's, some, there's some crazy Zoom, Zoom backgrounds and I see how it's improved over the last year or two as well. They seem so realistic, <laughs> but I think the, the real take home from this episode, Tony, is that there's really no one size fits all approach to training and development in sales. We all learn really differently, but the key is having the capacity to stretch beyond your limits and continue growing as the world around you evolves. So Tony, you will, you must spend a lot of time with clients talking about sales training and enablement and the different ways that they're thinking about implementing effective programs, particularly using platforms like MindTickle. So what have you seen that makes a sales training program effective?
0: Yeah, I'd say the last three years of my life have actually been spent talking about uh, (laughs) how to make sales training programs effective. But I think. For me, one of the things I've learned in talking to a number of different enablement specialists and, uh, and, and leaders in the space is you want to keep your trainings concise. You want to make almost like micro learnings because people don't have the time to spend a tremendous amount of hours at, at least at one time to take the training. So you want to make them very concise, very focused, and then you want to reinforce them. Right, because people do forget things very quickly. There's so much information that's being thrown at people nowadays that if you take a training, chances are if you take an hour training or even a half an hour training, 15 minutes, you're gonna forget it if you don't think about it again within a day or two. So if you can reinforce that knowledge and make sure the most pertinent information is being retained, that's really where you're gonna see the most value and the most effectiveness. So for me, those are two two key elements is keep it pe- keep it crisp, keep it concise, and then reinforce it to make sure people are learning what you want them to learn.
1: I, I like that. I think that crisp and concise is, yeah, that's really key. Everybody wants to, people, people I think people wanna learn. I don't think there's many people that sit around thinking oh, I don't learn anything just leave me alone I'm happy to stay where I am and I feel like the the, the better we become at creating creating materials creating programs that are going to make sense for people in the way it's structured particularly in the time it takes then um, the more effective those programs will be I feel like um there's the if just looking at it from a different perspective we often go and look for training when things are broken and I feel like Sales people, sales teams are now in this space of negativity where it's like everything's broken, people haven't hit target. So now we have to go back to training rather than training just being part of their normal day to day and how they go about winning as often as possible. So I feel like we have to think about how we are the story we're telling when we're, we're implementing training programs. You know, what? How, how do we help a salesperson to think that this is the most logical action for me to take in order for me to be even more successful in my role, rather than if I don't do this, they're gonna check on the, the system, the analysts are gonna show I'm not doing it and they're gonna bollock me. It's I think really thinking about the story telling, and I know we've been talking about storytelling. So where, where's this come from? And what's in it for me if I do embark on this training journey, rather than it just being obligatory, right? And also, what are the goals? What, what am I supposed to get out of this training program if I do take part in it? I think those points are really what help to make training programs effective.
0: Well said. And you know, with that, it's time to close out this episode of Ready, Set, Sell. Thank you to our guest, Amy, for sharing your expert insights.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Ready, Set, Sell.
0: We hope you took away some valuable lessons and insights that inspire you to reevaluate your approach to sales readiness.
1: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show when you get a minute.
0: And stay tuned for the next episode of Ready, Set, Sell.